I've been playing fantasy for a long time and I was really, really bad at it for, I'd say like seven or eight years. I was just like, I could never get out of sixth place. And uh, about this, maybe a little bit later than this uh, last year, I, I quit my job. I was a stay-at-home dad. I had a new uh, newborn baby boy. So I was home with the kid and I was doing a, a career transition into data analytics. And then as a part of one of the courses that I took, I was doing uh, like a little uh, project at the end of it to try to use some of those skills. And I was like, I, I got to get better at fantasy hockey. So let me try this. Uh, and then on top of that, the the guy that, that's in my league, he was just pissed me off. He did like a whole banner raising ceremony for his league win last year and all this stuff. I'm like, I got to beat this guy this year. This is not going to happen again. You're now listening to the Voice in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 159 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Just Cody and Melbourne with you for this one. Uh, Abrams not available for this one, but uh, Chad, uh, we've got a very special guest joining us. And uh, so before you introduce him on here, uh, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm looking forward actually to reading week next week. It's been, I feel like, an absolute grind to start the new year in law school, like shocker. But now I'm, you know, waiting for reading week just to get a little bit of a break and relax. And I actually think I'm going to come visit in Brockville for a few days. So looking forward to that as well. But yeah, you mentioned it. We have a guest this episode and I'm super excited to introduce him. It's Kenny from Data Draft Hockey on YouTube and Instagram and all of the socials out there. And the reason I wanted to bring Ken on was because uh, I stumbled across his page on YouTube. And what he does on YouTube is all things fantasy hockey using advanced analytics to help you improve as a fantasy hockey manager and improve i have that's what i've done i'm currently sitting in first in one of my leagues and second in the boys in the booth league and it's all thanks to kenny so uh without further ado let me introduce to you um our special guest ken from data draft how you doing good what's going on guys how you doing oh fantastic ken i wanted to ask just to to start off how'd you get into the whole youtube game like where does the passion come from for fantasy hockey all of that I've been playing fantasy for a long time and I was really, really bad at it for, I'd say like seven or eight years. I was just like, I could never get out of sixth place. And, uh, about this, maybe a little bit later than this, uh, last year, I, I quit my job. I was a stay at home dad. I had a new, uh, newborn baby boy. So I was home with the kid and I was doing a, a career transition into data analytics. And then as a part of one of the courses that I took, I was doing uh, like a little uh, project at the end of it to try to use some of those skills. And I was like, I, I got to get better at fantasy hockey. So let me try this. Uh, and then on top of that, the, the guy that, that's in my league, he was just pissed me off. He did like a whole banner raising ceremony for his league win <laughs> last year and all this stuff. I'm like, I got to beat this guy this year. This is not going to happen again. So I started the YouTube channel just to try to like practice some of the data skills and whatnot. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And it was helping, you know, a lot of people make better decisions going into the draft. And that was a big part of what I'm trying to to get across to the audience is you like 70% of the work is in the draft. And then you kind of have to manage from there. But the draft is really important. You can make or break your season with the draft. So 
Uh, the first couple of videos were just like draft strategy tips and trying to just go over some of the things that people make mistakes on. And even some of the bigger like fantasy channels out there, they make a lot of mistakes just in terms of like roster construction. So I wanted to go through what happened in my league and uh, like some of the, the tips and tricks that I've used and then show how, uh, you know, certain things work out, whether you do, you know, you know, no goalie strategy or pick a goalie first or whatever. There's a lot of stuff that went into um, like just looking back at my own league and trying to help tweak so that we can find a better draft strategy together and then move forward. Uh, and then it's just kind of built from there. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And like the reason I, and I'm actually super glad that you brought up the draft, by the way, because the reason I stumbled across your account was because I find that there's a ton of resources out there for helping you with the draft in fantasy hockey. And me, for example, I use a bunch of different mostly free uh, advanced analytics sites. You know, Money Puck is a great go-to. Uh, Dauber Sports uh, for everything is great. Um, but I find after the draft, there's not a lot of content and not a lot of resources out there to kind of help you on a weekly basis. So that is why I stumbled across your account and uh, found it super helpful. So I'm glad that you really focused on that. And I was wondering then, you know, focusing on your sort of weekly videos and weekly pickups and things like that. What are some of the key areas that you think, you know, typical fantasy managers should be aware of when it comes to weekly moves? Like what are some things that are on the top of your mind as someone who makes fantasy content on a weekly basis? Well, one of the mistakes that I see is that, um, and anybody out there, there's a lot of like big name YouTubers and uh, fantasy players out there that are, they're just looking at hot streaks and like, they're just going to look at this guy's done this over the last stretch or whatever. And that's, you can do things that way. There's definitely like value in riding a hot streak, especially if nothing's changed. So for example, right now, Philip Heedle is on a massive hot streak, but he's playing with that kid line. So that's going to continue as long as they keep that line together, that can continue, but not every hot streak is the same. So what I was trying to do is uh, two things, basically one, you know, you should, after your draft, you should leave one or two spots on your roster for, for weekly streams, just so that you have some flexibility to manage the, the schedule. Uh, sometimes your, your star players are only going to be playing twice in a week. So you need to kind of account for that with your weekly uh, waiver ads. So when you think about picking guys up, it's usually for me about roster maximization. So finding guys that are playing on the light nights that you can then add to your roster. Cause on the heavy nights, you, you have to make some decisions as to what, you know, who's going to get in your lineup and whatnot. So, uh, for me, I like to, especially in the weekly videos, just highlight the players that are playing on the off nights and then look at some players that are, that are trending in the right direction on some hot streaks. But, uh, I did a feature for a couple months, um, and it got to be repetitive cause it was like the names weren't changing, but I was also looking at, uh, you know, goals above it and below expected. So you'd look at the goals below expected and see who's getting chances, but not cashing in yet. And then some of those guys would break out and start to score. That happened with Matt Barzell not too long ago. And uh, I think it was December. He was getting a ton of chances and he had like no goals on the season. He finally broke out a little bit. Um, but basically just roster maximization and then trying to, uh, you know, if you're in a categories league and you're light on hits or blocks or whatever, uh, I try to highlight guys that'll fill that specific role. Uh, if you're in a league without hits and blocks, but you need power play goals or something, sometimes I try to, uh, you know, filter in some advice that's tailored towards points leagues that have waiting for goals and power play points and things like that. Um, but really, I mean, the, the number one thing to keep in mind, and it's tip, it's difficult as a fantasy YouTuber because uh, everybody plays in a different league format. So 
I'm used to, I have a couple different leagues I'm in, points leagues, category leagues, but, you know, people come and ask me, you know, this player or that player. And it's like, well, I need to know what kind of league format you're in, how many teams, that kind of thing. And, you know, that could make a make or break, you know, do I pick up, you know, Carter Verhage right now? Well, yeah, he's hot, but, uh, you know, if you're not getting extra waiting for shots or goals or whatever, it may, may not be the best pickup. So just try to, you know, ro- maximize your roster with the off nights, uh, look for hot streaks and cold streaks, and then, you know, just trying to maximize your, your fantasy format and use that to your advantage. Yeah, that's great. All of that very very relevant and games played i think are truly king so i'm glad that you highlight you know who's playing on the off nights who's on hot streaks on those teams who's still available i know you do your percentage owned uh when you talk about players so that's always helpful to have in the back of your mind too and while we're talking about roster construction out of the draft as well uh, i wanted to ask your opinion on taking goaltenders high in the draft because that was something that harper did this year in the first round he took andre vasilevsky seventh overall and that was something that raised some eyebrows um so what are your thoughts on taking goalies high ken can't do it can't, you, you can't take a goalie in the first two rounds and i i that was the first video on my channel um, this is, I actually got this tip from, uh, it was NHL radio on, uh, the point, uh, with Boomer Gordon and I was listening to him. He has a fantasy show on Fridays at two. It's a really great resource. And he was basically just kind of harping on that, that tone of like, just don't pick a goalie in the first round. And I'm like, why? So I looked into it and basically in the last five years of my league, everybody who's picked a goalie high has finished in the bottom six out of 12 or, you know, bottom half out of 10 or whatever. And it just basically comes down to there's guys in the, especially as the scoring increases and there's more and more players that are over a hundred point pace or well over a point per game pace. Those guys at the top of the draft who put up a ton of points, they're very consistent. They typically like Huberto this year is one of the only examples of a guy who's a very high pick. Who's just like, not, he doesn't have it this year. Typically everybody who's picked in the top two rounds, that's a forward or defenseman will have at least some level of a good season. And then, you know, most of the time, if you're picking McDavid dry you're getting excellent performance, but with goaltending, Typically, every year there's a goalie that comes out of nowhere and ends up, you know, in the Vesna conversation. This year it's Allmark. Uh, Vanacek's one of those guys that I never saw coming and he's just taken off. And you can usually find those guys on the wire. You can find them deep in drafts. Obviously, Allmark, probably not a wire guy, but Vanacek had hit the wire in some leagues. So you can usually find a starting goalie that becomes elite deeper in the draft, but you will never find a 1.5 point per game offensive player that deep in the draft. So that's why if you, you know, the guy in my league had uh, Shesterkin seventh and he started out really well. He was in the, the first place for a couple weeks and now he's in seventh and he's falling back out of the playoffs because he just doesn't have the offense to, to power him forward, especially in a category league where you have six offensive categories and then four uh, goaltending categories. So it's a little bit different if you're in a points league and you get, you know, special weighting for wins, shutouts and that kind of thing, total saves. That might change the equation a little bit, but in general, you're not going to get access to those elite like 1.5 point per game guys anywhere else in the draft and you can get goaltenders later in the draft. Yeah, so missing out on the top tier production players by taking a goalie high and just the fact that goalies are wildly inconsistent save for a few in in the NHL, I would say Shostakin, Vasilevsky. 
I would and those guys, throw- those guys have been good. They're just not. They're not the number one guy in fantasy. And you, it's very difficult for that guy to be picked at the top and then stay there the entire year and not dip at all. Like that's that's part of the the whole thought process too. Right. And games played too is another factor because even if you're Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shosturkin, you're not going to play all 82 games. Yeah. Whereas Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid, if they're healthy, they are going to play those games. So Harper, all of that being said, do you have any, any pushback and any, uh, you want to defend your pick or what? Well, it's, uh, it's hilarious that immediately as that got brought up, I, I knew that was directed at me. You're just shaking your head right off the <laughs> bat with that. But you know, I was kind of kicking myself after because realizing that fantasy hockey at the end of the day a lot of it is about points and having those uh those top point producers on your team so i just wondered uh kenny like what is your favorite uh type of data or statistics to look at uh do you have a a couple or or one in particular um you know going into a, a fantasy hockey season or um you know a couple in particular to give uh advice on and and that sort of thing hey guys there's no betting corner segment in this episode of the podcast so i thought i would take this time to tell you a little bit about our newest sponsor betstamp the line shopping app for sports bettors Betting lines have different odds across each sportsbook, and by using the BetStamp app, you can line shop across all of those sportsbooks to ensure that you're finding the best value available on the bets that you'd probably already be making. Also, the BetStamp app allows you to track all of your verified bets across those different sportsbooks so that you can build a more credible record as a better, and it allows you to follow other winning BetStamp users so that you can instantly be notified of their picks. So click the link in the description down below to download the BetStamp app today. And when you do, be sure to provide the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH when prompted to do so to let them know that we sent you. Every download really helps us out and it helps you out as well. So we would really appreciate the support. Thanks, guys. Well, it's funny you should say that because I do have a couple, but I've combined them all into my data draft uh, player hubs. So I now have the player hub and the goaltending hub, which I didn't have at the draft, but I try to keep it as simple as possible. A lot of times, like especially with analytics guys, they get down in the weeds and they're looking at Corsi and expected percentages and all this stuff. And sometimes that that does tell you something about a player. Um, but I find that that's more useful for like teams that are making decisions on whether or not they need a six defenseman that moves the puck or hits or whatever. For fantasy, it it comes down to numbers. It comes down to like who's producing. And so I keep it simple. Usually uh, for forwards, I'll use uh, goals above and below expected. I'll use the same thing for goaltending. Um, I like to look for goaltending specifically. Um, little like key secret that I use is trying to make sure that your goaltender is on a really like top 10 defensive team because a, you know, a goaltender like John Gibson is a really, really skilled goalie, but he's getting 38 to 45 shots a game. And if you have like volume where you're getting points for saves that helps, but otherwise he's unownable. And so he's a good goaltender that you'd think he's got the name value and you're going to pick him and you know, it'll be fine. And then he ends up getting shelled. He's given up. I think it's uh, five goals or more 13 times this year out of like 36 games. So the team defense matters a lot. Um, I just mentioned today that Aiden Hill, as Thompson gets hurt, Aiden Hill is a huge guy to pick up because Vegas is number two in uh, expected goals against right now. They're a very solid defensive team. Bruce Cassidy does a really good job, uh, did a good job in Boston, now comes over to Vegas and he's doing the same thing. So I try to keep the the data as simple as possible. But then, you know, in I think it was November, December, I combined all the stuff that I look at and put it into the player hub and into the goalie hub. And it just gives you a sense 
the player hub is mainly designed for category leagues where you don't have a numerical like value that you can compare players with. So I kind of created that value for you uh, and you can compare players with the comparison tool and whatnot. With goaltending, it, uh, it factors in goals saved above expected, the team defensive performance, and then the, you know, the general like save percentage, the, the amount of starts you get, the amount of wins you get. Uh, so you can kind of, you know, if your league has a, a point waiting for wins or whatever, you can, you know, fade a guy that doesn't get a lot of starts and go for the guy with volume. Or if you're in a different situation in a categories league with save percentage, you can look for guys like that. But um, I try not to get, uh, you know, I, I try to bring the data to people without confusing them with it. So that's why I tried to make my own data tool so that people can get the tools that I'm using for the channel so they know exactly how to use it. And then it doesn't get too confusing. And uh, Kenny, just a quick follow-up to that. How do you feel about the direction of data and where it's going and the use of it as it continues to grow in hockey? There, there's a ton. I just saw somebody sent me on LinkedIn, uh, like game data, and it's it's. You look at the JSON file, which is like where you're getting a lot of the 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 raw data, and then you have to then uh, put a table on that or whatever, like use it somehow, but it's just massive. They're, they're quantifying every single aspect of the game at this point. And I think the league just this year put in, uh, those cameras at the top of the rinks to have like, they're essentially sensors to get, you know, this is a shot on goal from this point on the ice and whatnot. And it's getting to be a point where there's analytics teams that are growing just to, to handle that kind of data, not necessarily for hockey decisions, just to be able to like manage it, wrangle it, and then you know, provide that to their hockey people. Um, so it's, it's a lot to work with. And then especially for what I do, like it's too much to work with because you know, not a lot of people have a lot of time for fantasy. So I'm trying to distill even the, the simple data that I use to, do, to something that they can handle on a regular basis. But um, in terms of the game, like it's growing the the fandom i can see like jay fresh on twitter has a ton of people following him and looking at the the advanced data and whatnot people will have a an appetite for it um but then in terms of the game itself i think it is changing the game uh i watched uh msg and stephen valiquette on there he's uh the president and ceo of uh clearsight analytics and some of the insights that he's talking about like the royal road passes you have a 33 percent chance of scoring if you go across the slot line once you have a 60 something percent chance if it goes back again so like oh. stuff like that i think they're they're starting to implement that with teams and talk to teams and say look th these are the the odds if you want to play more of an east west game this will open up your offense or whatever um i'm a rangers fan so i think they do a little too much of that but nonetheless, it's still uh, it's actionable insights that you can get from data and then use it on the ice. And it's something that we haven't really had until like the last like 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And I think the fact that we're talking about all of these new innovations in data when it comes to hockey, it's kind of crazy because I would imagine that the teams themselves have way more uh, access to this kind of stuff and have their own internal data teams um, that we just don't know about and so i would i would love to be a fly on the wall in, in a data room for say one of the big teams like yeah. colorado or or toronto or tampa bay a, bi a big data team right that would be great uh, i wanted to go back to roster construction here um in the draft in in bringing this all back to to what we're talking about here the fantasy draft and uh managing your fantasy team and becoming a better fantasy hockey manager so i wanted to bring it back to roster construction and ask you if you had any specific drafting strategies um when it comes to drafting your fantasy team so obviously uh, i think 
we've already touched on uh, for sure. Don't pick goalies high. I know another one that people commonly use is um, taking players at positions where there are less high high offense players at that position. What I mean by that is take centers late because there aren't as many wingers available high. So uh, is that something that you do? What are some of your strategies when it comes to the draft? That was uh, my rule number three. So I have uh, four draft rules. Uh, There's probably going to be more as I continue to do it. But just to start with last year, the first one was don't draft a goalie in the first two rounds. The second one was you need two, at least two elite power play quarterback defensemen. Uh, And I've gone through this. I had uh, I've lost John Carlson for the season. I've lost Zach Wierenski for the season. Luckily, I stashed uh, Charlie McAvoy because he's pretty much saved everything for me at this point. But if you if you have injuries, like people are getting into injury trouble right now, there's guys going down left and right. You need to have two elite defensemen, mainly to boost your offense because those defensemen are more rare. You're less likely to find those on the wire. Um, you know, I like to highlight there's guys like Vince Dunn, who's kind of come off the wire and he's been very productive. You can find those, but you should treat that as like a D three, not your top two elite defensemen. Uh, and then as you just mentioned, the, the centers over wingers, that was one of the videos I did for strategy. And it basically does come down to the fact that there's, I did an analysis and there's, uh, usually like 3.4 to 4.4, uh, right wingers that are putting up a 40 goal pace. And centers, there's a lot more of that. There's like seven or eight centers per year that put up that kind of a pace. So even if you're not going to find them on the wire, you're going to find them deeper in the draft. I, you know, I picked Pasternak in the third round. I don't know how he dropped to me, but like I have McDavid and Pasternak and they're carrying my team. And obviously, you know, you get fortunate with McDavid, but um, you know, those, the, the centers that you can find later, you can pick them up if they're just going to get you assists or power play points or whatever, if that's going to help you out, that works too. You don't have to necessarily have a goal scoring center, but you need those goal scoring wingers because they're very rare. Uh, specifically this year was right wingers, but one thing that I've kind of found is that there, with the increase in scoring, there are more wingers that are putting up a lot more points. A guy like Carter Verhage is a perfect example. He's you know on a career season goal wise, so you can find them, but you should try to bank on getting them in the draft and prioritizing them up front instead of hoping that you're going to find something later on. Right, and another question, just building off of that, is uh, positional flexibility. How much do you value that? Obviously, if you're between two players, one guy is only a center, the other guy is a center right winger, you're going to take the guy who plays two positions for maximum flexibility. But just how high do you value positional flexibility in fantasy? I think it's important for waiver pickups. I think if you're building your roster in the draft, like you want to just take the best player and then try to work out who you can filter in otherwise. Uh, it was interesting. I had a, a conversation with somebody uh, before the draft. They were asking if they should not pick McDavid number one, if they should pick Dreisaitl because of the dual position eligibility. And I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, well, I guess in theory, <laughs> you could use him as a left winger. You could get another center that would maybe, but you can never pick, like you just should never pick anybody over McDavid number one. But um, in general, like I don't look at it too much going, you know, in the drafts. If, you know, if you're deciding between two players, it's nice to have a guy who's dual position eligible. Uh, a guy like JT Miller is a little bit more valuable because he's three position eligible. So that does help you, you know, especially maybe it's only five or 10 games max that you're getting more because you can get him in the lineup uh, just based on, you know, using any position that you have. But it's not going to be the be all end all. You want to make sure that you're getting the quality players that are going to put up consistent production for you year, you know, the whole year, not just a, a chunk of the season. 
Right. So I shouldn't be overly excited then that Travis Konechny just got winger eligibility or center I'm, eligibility on top of right wing. I'm, I'm a little excited. I picked him. I got a waiver claim in on him right now because he's ice cold. Yeah, he is ice cold. And I tried to sell high on him. Uh, I had him in both of my leagues. I in, in our boys in the booth league, I traded him and a sixth round pick for Victor Hedman and a 12th. So that was a fleece, I, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now he's he's ice cold and I couldn't sell him in my other league. So I don't know. I guess I have to hold him. But now at least he has dual eligibility up front. I'm kind of hoping that he turns it around and I can get some more games out of him. But well, that brings yeah. me to the, the thing I was talking about today and over the weekend. Now's the time where these terrible teams are going to start pissing you off. Like if you're a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers, they're going to start winning games and like getting themselves out of the Bedard sweepstakes. So if you're going to be pissed off about that, you might as well go pick up Konechny to kind of balance it out a little bit so you're not as pissed <laughs> when that happens. Because that, now's the time where all these crappy teams... The guys are getting more elevated roles in the top six on the power play and whatnot, and they start frustrating you if you're a fan because you want them to tank for Bedard, but they're going to start playing spoiler. So I was like highlighting that today, trying to get people's attention. Guys like Kirby Doc, Konechny's uh, pretty owned up, but you know some of those guys that are getting an elevated role on a bad team. Absolutely. And uh, Chad, are, are we ready to move on to kind of, you know, looking at the trade deadline in terms of fantasy hockey as we get closer to that? Or, or did you have anything more that you wanted to ask before we jump into that section? Yeah, I just had one more question before we move on to our trade deadline, because yes, that is something I want to talk about and how to win week 18, which we're currently in because I'm in a massive matchup this week against first place in the boys in the booth league. So I'm going to have to win this one. Um, but before that, I wanted to ask just, you know, because I'm titling this episode, how to become a better fantasy hockey manager. And we were talking about the data draft player hub that you created and all of the advanced stats that go into your fantasy decision making. I just wanted to know, like, where do you pull, pull your data from? Like, which websites are your go to and uh, and maybe most accessible for people at home who want to get better at fantasy hockey? Um, you know, aside from your, your tool that you've built, where does that data come from? So, um, one of the things that I look for, so I use a couple different sources. Um, in the preseason, I was using uh, mainly RotoWire and Quant Hockey. Uh, Quant is really good because you can type in specific dates. So, if I'm looking for a player and how they've produced since a coaching change or in the second half or whatever, you can type in the specific dates and look up how that player did over a certain stretch. And that's really helpful for like trend videos and trying to, you know, understand how a player plays in certain months or whatever. Uh, like I said, after a coaching change, Brock Besser has been playing a lot better after that coaching change. Um, so Quant Hockey, RotoWire, I still use RotoWire for uh, some things. Uh, and then obviously Money Puck. I just don't use Money Puck a ton. I would use it mainly for like one or two things, the the goals above expected, the the team goals above expected, things like that. Um, but Money Puck is a really good data source. Um, I also use hockeyreference.com. Uh, they give really good split data. So you can find month by month, like how the players uh, producing, you can find how they do at home versus on the road, things like that. And for me, that is starting to come into handy now that I'm playing daily fantasy. Um, another tool that I use all the time, I use it every day is statmuse.com slash ask. You can literally just type in, uh, you know, this player versus Minnesota, and they'll give you the stats of that player versus Minnesota. So I use that a lot for daily fantasy. Uh, and I try to use that, you know, if a player, uh, you know, has a really good record, like Crosby against the Islanders, you're going to want to have him in your daily fantasy lineup. So 
that's pretty much how I build my daily fantasy lineup is seeing how they produce against other teams that they're playing that night. Um, but yeah, so I use StatMuse for that kind of thing. I use uh, Money Puck as one or two elements of both my player hubs, and then it's RotoWire, Quant, Hockey Reference. Those are the main go-tos that I use. And now, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Awesome. And uh, looking ahead to our trade deadline, just the, I had a couple of questions just kind of based around that. Um, it, it, do you have a, a player or two in particular who you think could be a, a really impactful deadline pickup in fantasy hockey this year? Uh, it, it really depends on... Uh, here's what I'll say. It depends on when your fantasy playoffs are. I did a fantasy schedule a breakdown video where we kind of went over there's basically two formats that i've seen uh some players have their playoffs week 22 to 24 and mine and a lot of others is 23 to 26 which is the last couple weeks of the playoffs um if your playoff format is week 22 to 24 the boston bruins have the most games so maybe you know one of those kind of guys because taylor hall maybe uh becomes more valuable debrusque is on ir right now maybe you could pick him up and stash him for those weeks uh, if you're in my playoff format and you're looking at week 23 to 26, uh, Carolina, Detroit, and Colorado, uh, and I think I think Colorado has the most uh, games on off nights during that stretch, and then Carolina, Detroit, Chicago, and Florida, or Nashville, I believe, uh, have the most volume of games during that stretch. So I would look at those teams and see if there's anybody on that team that works best in your, fan, in your, uh, your format whether it's a points league or a cats league. Uh, if you're looking to add shot volume, if you're looking to add power play goals or whatever, I would just take a look at the teams that are playing the most during your playoffs or down the stretch into your playoffs. And Colorado is one of those teams that's playing uh, a lot now. And on top of that, they weren't very good in the first half. So they have to play really well down the stretch. So if you're asking for one player, I would say, uh, I think he got hurt this morning or he's on IR or whatever, but Pablo Francois was going to be a guy that I was looking at because uh, if they're playing a lot of games and they have to use their backup, they still have to get into the playoffs. So they're going to be playing meaningful hockey down the stretch. And you're going to probably want him 
Uh, you're getting excellent team exposure, and they're probably going to give him a ton of run support. Uh, so I did end up picking him up this morning at 10, and then I think at 12 he went on, I don't know if it's day-to-day or IR, <laughs> so I'm a little pissed about that, but uh, that would be one guy I'm looking at. And I have a couple of guys that have uh, asked me about that. I have uh, Lekkonen. Uh, if you have an opportunity me to too. grab into yeah. Chushkin, those guys are getting power play time with Colorado, and if they have a really good schedule the week of your playoffs, that's going to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely and I'm sure and you'll make a video for that once the the week rolls around right and you'll give us a bunch of names and i'll be yeah. cherry picking from that trying to pick out the best players to pick up <laughs> that was the problem with doing i did the week uh the playoff uh, schedule preview but i couldn't give any players because it's like the trade deadline has to happen we're still like 20 30 games out so it was sort of just looking at the the matchups and trying to figure out the off nights and whatnot and colorado was really good for that so that's why i mentioned them Right. And while we're talking about our uh, trade deadline here, I just wanted to ask, like, because it is kind of far out and you don't know the specifics of every league, like, are there any candidates right now for players that you would consider buy low candidates in fantasy hockey that like, is that still a thing this far into the season? Are there buy low candidates out there for you? There are players who are typically second half players that I would normally consider a buy low. And the number one guy that comes to mind when I think of that is Kevin Fiala, but you're not really buying low. He's been excellent all year, which I did a whole video on that before the season started. It's crazy. He's basically like a 0.6 point per game guy. And then the second half rolls around and he's like 1.2 points per game and he's on fire. So I would look at, I did a whole uh, analysis video on the second half um, based on last year's data. So I would look at some of those guys that were, um, you know, on that video, guys like Jack Hughes, Tage Thompson were on that video. Um, Those would be some targets. You're not going to buy low on them because they're obviously having great seasons. But um, typically some guys start slow. Mika Zibanejad is one of those guys that usually starts slow and picks it up in the second half. Uh, And he was, I think it was two years ago, two and a half years ago in the bubble or right before the bubble. uh, He just was on fire going down the stretch and uh, ended up like kind of redeeming himself because he started so slow and he ended up a point per game. But um, if there's a guy like that, now I know a lot of people are asking me about Huberto and whether or not he's a buy low. And I just like the thing that I keep coming back to is it's just not his year. Um, I've loved Huberto. I've had him pretty much every year for the last like three or four years because I usually draft him in the fourth round and he gives me first, second round value. But now this year, you probably drafted him in the first or second round and he's terrible. So it's like maybe next year's the year to go and grab him. I don't know if this is a buy low year for him, but I would look at guys who typically perform well in the second half or, uh, you know, a team like Colorado, as I just mentioned, they were banged up to start the year. Uh, maybe a guy like Bowen Byram with Makar out. Maybe you look at him as a potential buy low because he's very skilled. He's going to get power play time uh, and you can kind of take advantage of, you know, he's at 55% right now. So you're, you're still paying a little bit of a price to get him. He may not be available, but uh, those kind of guys um, with a lot of skill who've been injured in the first half, maybe they come back and light it up. Um, I, there's another guy I've been getting a lot of questions about is Duclair. Because he was really good last year, he's injured right now. You could maybe stash him and try to wait for him to come back. And the only thing I'd say about that is he has the same injury as Max Pacioretty. So the Achilles tendon and you know Pacioretty came back. He looked really good for like six games and then right back out. And I had him, so I was really pissed about that. So just a, a warning to anybody out there thinking about Duclair. But those would be some of the things I would look for. 
That's uh that's really good to know. And you know, speaking of players coming off injury, I gotta tell you, I'm really happy to have Trevor Moore back in my fantasy lineup because he was playing great for the Los Angeles Kings before he went down uh and and had to be put on the IR. So really glad that he's back. And uh he may be one of my guys that, you know, is kind of a a, a deadline rental that I just had but sat out for a while. So anyway, we'll see how that plays out. But uh I uh, Kenny, I had an interesting question for for you when it comes to making trades because for me I'm pretty new to to fantasy hockey as Chad and Case and the rest of the guys in our league know but it, so I, I have a tough time making trades and roster moves because I immediately think of it like an NHL GM making a trade between between two teams and how that would look and everything that's the first thing I think of so um just what is that balance or how important is it to have that balance between like, you know, um, a, a real NHL GM making deals and then a fantasy hockey GM making deals? Just what's your thought on having that balance and how important is it to, to have that in, in mind? I don't think you should think like an NHL GM. I think that there's two things you should pay attention to uh, when you're trying to make a trade. The first thing is your league format and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, are you trying if like if you're in a categories league if you're light on shots or hits or something is there a guy that you have that has name value that you can potentially trade to get a guy who's a specialty tool to fill those categories to help your team overall I like to think of your your fantasy team as like a race engine you've got to put all the parts in place they have to be functioning properly well oiled and everything else to get you across the finish line at the end of the season so if you're thinking about it like an NHL GM you're probably missing out on the part of your league that's going to potentially be impacted by your trade. So if you're not looking for, uh, you know, the, the other thing I was going to, I kind of just dropped it there is like high name value guys are often more valuable by players who aren't, you know, fantasy managers who aren't that astute and they're not paying attention to a lot of this stuff. So I took advantage early in the year. I had uh, Kubalik, I had Shane Gostaspare and uh, Spencer Knight, and I parlayed that into UC Soros and Nick Ehlers because Ehlers was on IR, so he nice. was basically a throw-in. And that's one of those things where I had some name value, but also I took guys who were on hot streaks, and I kind of parlayed that into a guy who I knew uh, at the time Soros was struggling, but I knew he was one of those guys that gets like 55, 60 starts, and he's going to be playing meaningful hockey down the stretch. So... Typically, you can use name value. I have a uh, Patrick Kane on my roster. I'm looking to unload him, hopefully just using name value because it's not really there production-wise compared to what he's used to putting up. Uh, and then trying to find guys that are hot on the wire and trading them like at the absolute peak, uh, like I did with Kubelik and Gostaspare and whatnot. And since then, uh, Kubelik has been put back on waivers, so I could just pick him up right now if I wanted to. So that's something that you can do to kind of you know manage and kind of game the system a little bit. Also, know who you're playing against in your own league. There's certain people that are susceptible. They just like to wheel and deal. They don't like to make moves to like improve their team. They just like to make trades to make a trade. So if you can pinpoint those guys and try to target them early in the season and you know before everybody else starts to do that, that's also kind of a good trading strategy. Uh, and a couple of guys have picked off this one guy who made that trade for me in the league that I'm in. So that's uh, there's three things there. So the name value, selling guys when they're high and trying to you know use the the league format that you're in to maximize what you're trying to bring back in the trade. 
Perfect. That is so true. Some guys just absolutely love making deals like Harper in our league. Dylan sends me a deal. I mean, not much anymore because I think we ripped him a bit in the group chat, but he would send yeah. me like two, three <laughs> deals a day and they would just be nonsense. Like every single yeah. one was an auto reject, Like, but he loved it. He just loved wheeling and dealing. And last year, that's how I got, uh, who, who did I get? I got Marner and Ekblad for Lindholm and someone else like taylor yeah, hall i think upgrade. maybe and Jeez. yeah it was uh, he just oh. wanted to make a move and he hated the leafs and that was the year that marner started off like he had two points through nine games or something and i knew marner was a stud so had to get him but while we're we're talking about you know roster construction still and, and just sort of some players who have been underperforming or overperforming i wanted to ask you you know because we're in a keeper league uh the boys in the booth keeper league here and I wanted to ask you then, Kenny, do you have any players in mind who you think would make good keepers? In other words, players who have exceeded expectations based on where they were picked on a, on average. That's a great question. Um, the guy, I mean, the, the obvious guys that come to my mind are, and, and I'm thinking of this in terms of what they did last year. And if you were in that point last year, you should have picked up a Jack Hughes, a Tage Thompson, uh, guys like that who are breaking out. I guess I, I've mentioned him twice already, but Carter Verhage, like he had a really good year last year. When I did a, a video on the Florida Panthers this year, he was basically tracking with what he did last year. And then since then, he's just like exploded for goal scoring. Um, a guy like Konechny would be another guy who's probably exceeded what wherever he went in the draft. Uh, Scott Lawton on that on the Flyers team, he's been pretty good for the same type of reason, um, but he's kind of cooled off a little bit lately as well. I would look at especially at this point in the season, those guys that are playing really well on bad teams, a guy like Kirby Doc uh, would come to mind in that instance. Matias Michelli is a rookie out in Arizona, and he's a guy who uh, played well to start, very assist and power play heavy, uh, and then he got hurt, so he kind of fell off, and now he's 2% owned. So if you pick him up now, and he turns into, you know, he's a, a power play specialist and that kind of thing in Arizona, he's going to get the time. I would look at some of those kind of situations, um, you know, maybe Zegris or Terry, if they're somehow available or gettable in a trade, uh, it's obviously not their year. This would be one of those situations where I would try to get Huberto if you're in a keeper league, because his value is not going to be lower than it is right now. And then typically, um, what I've found in terms of actual players getting traded in real life, uh, like this happened to Markstrom not that long ago, the first year they come over, they're not great. And the, the numbers aren't there and everybody kind of jumps off the ship. And then the second year, everything clicks. They're comfortable in their surroundings. They're used to their teammates. If it's a goaltender, they're comfortable with the defensive system. So then you can potentially either draft them you know, deeper in your draft or if you have an opportunity to grab them at this point in the season when their value is really low and then try to you know, just punt the rest of the season and then go for it next year with those guys, that would be uh, a different strategy. The only thing is I'm not uh, the keeper expert. I use uh, my data draft discord group for that because there's a lot of guys playing keeper leagues there i haven't done it so i'm kind of just trying to uh use what advice i've been giving them in terms of what they've been asking for uh you know is this guy a good keeper or whatnot but this is a it's a very different format from a redraft league and you kind of have to plan if you're in a playoff spot now and you're going for it this year maybe you can't think about next year but if you're out of it this year guys are you know dumping players for draft picks and things like that maybe try to take a, a, a stab at huberdo or somebody like that uh, and try to, you know, just figure it out for next year. 
Yeah, I currently have a waiver claim in on Huberdo. Don't know if I'm going to get him or not, but I've, it's kind of something I've been thinking about. Maybe he bounces back, not necessarily for a keeper player, but kind of just betting on him coming back. But as you said, you know, maybe it's just not his year. So I don't know. I, I'm willing him to take the gamble. Are very similar in that sense. I just don't think it's their year, but it's, it's, it's tough for me because people ask me that all the time about Markstrom. I'm like, skill-wise, name-wise, he should be doing better than he is now. The team isn't that bad. They're relatively decent defensively. They're about mid-pack, but like, you know, there's no real reason why he's struggling so much. It's just probably not his year. And if you're in a keeper league and you notice that Markstrom is struggling, maybe just, you know, pick him up in a, you know, really cheap trade that's not going to cost you a lot and just hold him for next year. Yeah. Another guy is I, I had Demko in one of my leagues and I actually traded yep. him for Markstrom. Two goalies who haven't done much. The difference is Markstrom's actually playing, so he's yeah. getting a few points at least. But I think Demko's coming back and who knows what will happen now that they have a new coach. But I think their season is done anyways, whereas Calgary's at least playing for the playoffs, right? So I, I'm banking on Markstrom being a bit better. So I had to pay a, a I think I pick swapped and downgraded my pick to get Markstrom, but I figured that was worth the bet. But anyways, we're going a bit long here. Uh, that's all the questions I had, Harper. Do you have any more to add for Kenny? I, I don't think so. I think the uh, what I, I what I would like, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to get Kenny to like, you know, take a look at our two fantasy teams and just kind of go through, do like a deep dive, like what we need, what, you know, what are our strengths, weaknesses, that sort of thing. That's just the the thing that I keep thinking of as our, our conversation has continued on here. And uh, one more uh, for you, Kenny, before we, we uh, end this here, um, you mentioned that you're a New York Rangers fan. Uh, you guys are, are going right now. Obviously you made the big deal for Vladimir Tarasenko in terms of day data and analytics how do you feel about that trade for your new york rangers getting mikola and tarasenko in that deal for uh the first the fourth sammy blay and uh of course a prospect in uh hunter skinner so from an nhl fantasy hockey kind of point of view how do you see that deal for your rangers I, I think it's it's tough because uh, I love the deal. Like I love Tarasenko. I think that's the perfect guy to put on that wing. Kane would obviously have been cool, um, but he's obviously a little bit hurt, and I think that shied Drury away from uh, going to the Kane route or whatever. Tarasenko has chemistry with Panarin. They've played together at various points in their career. Same draft year, they played in the 2011 World Juniors, and if you remember that game, they were down like three to one to Canada and him, Kuznetsov and Tarasenko all just like took over the game and came back and won at five, three. So they've played big games together as well. Uh, and I was mentioning that on the channel today that sometimes the best uh, ad if a guy gets traded isn't the guy himself, because I don't think Tarasenko is going to get a lot of top power play time. They're trying to split up the power play units now and give uh, a little bit more time to the second unit, which they just refuse to do for the first chunk of the season. Uh, but if they you know start to get a little bit more of a spread, then that kind of affects everybody else on the Rangers. So I would kind of just look at it as uh, if a guy gets traded like Tarasenko, I would look at some of the other guys uh, to potentially pick it up. You're probably not going to you know go out there and make a trade for Panera. Aaron, although it does happen, but he's been a beneficiary this week, nine points in four games. And that four goal game never happens without Tarasenko just like kind of lifting him up. Like he just doesn't shoot a lot. And then all of a sudden Tarasenko comes over. Now he's got somebody to work with and it kind of boosts his production a bit. Um, but for me, the thing that's really interesting about the Rangers now is keeping the kid line together, the boys to men line. 
uh, as they're now being called. But that line has boosted. Heedle has been driving play analytically all year, and then the numbers yep. have started to come since December. And then whenever they put those three together, Lafreniere is basically a point per game guy, and Kako is close. Uh, and I think over the last seven, um, Lafreniere's got eight points, and Kako's right around the same range. So when you get the right line combination like that, that can boost some ownership. Uh, typically like early in the year, I didn't know who to recommend for the Rangers because Jimmy Vesey was getting top six minutes. Goudreau was up in the top six and every now and then those guys would be productive. But now if you see that the kid lines together, I would definitely like pay attention to that line in fantasy specifically because they drive a lot of play five on five. They're not going to get the power play time, but they're still very productive. Uh, but from a Rangers fans perspective, I think this is really good. Um, Everybody's melting down about Vitaly Kraftsoff today in Rangers land. But other than that, everything is really good uh, for being a Rangers fan at this point in the season. And I think that they're built to win a cup at this point. Uh, Tarasenko has that cup experience as well. So that definitely helps. Hey, man, can't argue with that. Final four appearance last year, too. And uh, it's clear that Drury and company uh, believe that they've got a shot at it. And uh, I I can't disagree with that. Uh, Great. Great performance too against Carolina over the weekend as well. So no, your uh, your Rangers are looking good for sure. Um, Chad, th- that's all I had for for Kenny. What about uh, what about you, man? No, I, I guess while we're on the Rangers, I'll just add that um, I think in the preseason I said that Kratsov would be back in the KHL by Christmas time. Um, so that wasn't <laughs> true, and he's been fine. Uh, but it's February, and he's asked for a trade, so whatever. That's also fine. Like he, I knew he wasn't going to be playing on the Rangers at this point in time, and that seems to be coming true. And also the I- kid line. Love that line 100%. I just wish they could find a way to play their two the two younger players on the line, Kako and Lafreniere, a bit more in the lineup. That's been my one concern with the Rangers over the last few years. I just feel like they don't, they, they aren't put in a position to succeed as often as they should. Oh, how much time do we have? I, I hate, <laughs> I hate how this team like develops prospects. They did it to Leah Anderson. They, they kept burying him in the AHL. They'd bring him up. They'd play him with Cody McLeod and Brendan Smith, who's playing forward despite being a defenseman. And then they wonder why he's got like five points in 40 games. And then they do the same exact thing to Kraftsoff, dicking him around and then trying to get him, you know, oh, we're going to put you in the minors. Oh, you're going to the KHL, bring him back. He's played well. Like I test, he's very defensively responsible. He's obviously getting knocked off the puck a little bit. But other than that, he's in position all the time. He's generating offense and then they just don't give him a chance and they just, you know, keep, uh, you know, I guess it's a chemistry thing and Gallant just, maybe this is why Gallant keeps moving on after like a year or two. And he, he just, he's stubborn. He doesn't give guys opportunities or whatever, but he's found something that works now for the team and Kraftsoff isn't in the lineup. So it's, it's frustrating, but the way that this team develops prospects, I'm constantly defending the way that they've developed Keandre Miller Philip Heedle is a good success story, but they've had these really big swing and misses. Uh, and Anderson was one. Obviously, they've turned that into Will Cooley, who looks a little bit promising as a bigger body, uh, kind of a depth piece. But uh, Vitaly Kraftsov, I was really high on him for a while, and he has the skill level. And he's played playoff hockey in the KHL, too. So you know he could probably be a big game player for you, and they just don't use him right. And it's just frustrating. So I, I could go on all day about how they develop <laughs> prospects, but I'll just leave it at that. 
It's uh, yeah. it's definitely not all bad when it comes to the Rangers and prospects. I mean, you mentioned Leah Sanderson there. It hasn't really worked out for him uh, in the LA organization either. And, you know, if, if I'm a team like Arizona or Anaheim, Chicago, one of these bottom teams, I am taking a flyer on Vitaly Kravtsov all day long, in my opinion. So I thought, because uh, Somebody, my friend was mentioning that David Poyle needs to do something to save his job after Eli Tolvanen left. I'm like, why don't you pick up Kraftsoff? Like, the, you know, the, the, there was rumblings about Tanner Janot maybe, and I don't know if he's available, but I, I mean, I don't like that from a, a growth perspective of trying to develop Janot into something that Kraftsoff could have been. But for right now, I think that would definitely help, you know, boost the bottom six, make us a little bit more physically intimidating. Now that we lost Reeves and Sammy Blay, uh, we're, we're kind of, you know, light on the, the hitting aspect of the game and that could potentially help but i mean there's a lot of teams that could use a young six foot three skilled you know 22 23 year old kid that's about to come into his own so it's frustrating but yeah and bringing it back to fantasy to to wrap it all up here that's a guy tanner janot who was incredible last year and this year completely unownable i don't know what happened or what changed but that's just something as soon as you mentioned janot that's what i thought about the hits are still there he's still very ownable if you just need a hits guy but the goal scoring is not and that's been frustrating he does have uh two goals, two assists in his last seven games. So he's starting to find it, but who knows if it'll continue. And everybody in Nashville is down from last year. Duchesne, Forsberg, all those guys, Johansson. Uh, I've never really liked owning Johansson or Duchesne or anybody, but last year they were kind of making me pay for not picking them. Uh, but mm-hmm. the whole team is down, and that's definitely one of the guys that's been affecting. It's chicken or the egg. Is Janot the reason they're not scoring, or is the, the whole team affecting Janot's production? It's hard to say. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Kenny, thank you so much for for doing this, man. You uh, you do excellent work. Uh, again, you can uh, follow Kenny on Instagram at uh, data underscore draft, and uh, you can also check out his YouTube page. He's got some really good content that uh, that he posts. Um, uh, Kenny, I have to tell you that you know just for prep purposes, I, I really liked your video on uh, you know twenty twenty one on the deadline and just the. Uh, the impact that a change of scenery has on certain guys and looking at all the deals that went down that year, Anthony Mantha to Washington and, uh, and the list goes on. So I thought that was great. So uh, anyway, thank you for, for coming on and sharing your knowledge about data and fantasy hockey. And um, this was really educational for me uh, personally. So thank you very much and keep up the great work. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks so much. And also, before we go, where else can we find you? Harper mentioned uh, Instagram and YouTube. What, uh, what's the link specifically? Like, give us something here. Maybe your Patreon. I'm dabbling in Twitter. I don't. I just don't want to commit to Twitter. It's like a sinking ship. But I'm on Twitter at <laughs> uh, data underscore draft on Twitter at data underscore draft on Instagram. Uh, data draft on YouTube. Um, those are the three places that I'm kind of focusing on. Uh, but yeah, Twitter is just kind of a crap. It's it's just it's not the same as it used to be and oh. it's kind of going downhill, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Any of those places I'm trying to just bust out content every day. I've started to do a lot more short content. So it's just a quick minute. If you have a minute on your phone and you're looking for a short, you get a player sample. I do a fantasy file on a player. I just did Aiden Hill today. 
Uh, just basically looking at what they're trending like, how are, you know, why should you pick this guy up? Uh, I featured Harvey Pennard over the weekend. He had an assist after that. He's still going apparently. So uh, those could be nice little uh, tools that you can have just a quick, you know, one minute view. And then you have a little bit more info to make some better waiver decisions. But yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, I've been watching you guys uh, on Instagram all the time. Uh, I like all the, the grades that you guys were giving out for the different teams and how you pissed off the entire Carolina fan base. That was pretty funny. So, <laughs> it was pretty yeah, cool I, to come out with you guys. And then you guys should, beat them over the weekend. So there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, I actually had to delete, to delete one of the videos there. Some fans were pretty pissed off about some of the content we put out. But uh, I commend you also for the short form content, because let me tell you, that's hard to get out. And I know it's a grind. So I, uh, I respect you for that, the work ethic. And with all the fantasy stuff, it's just, it's great. And 100% one of my favorite follows uh, as of late. So I appreciate it. Thanks again, Kenny. Awesome. Thank you, guys. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.